Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When I'm clear on my own values and how I want to live and the person I want to be, you can say, okay, this is my opinion and I'm going to seek my approval. Do I approve of me when I'm doing X, Y, or Z? You know, it's not easy, but I think the more self-awareness you get and the more clarity you get on you and how you want to live your life, if you're living in line with that, it's easier to deal with the sting of disapproval from others because you approving of you is the most important thing. Welcome to series 11 of the Not Perfect podcast, a show that's here to share conversations with world-leading thinkers to help us grow, stretch our minds, thrive, and heal from within. I'm your host, Poppy Jamie, a best-selling author of Happy Not Perfect and entrepreneur. I've spent the last decade exploring how we can live better, support our mental health better, expand our consciousness, and feel full even when things feel turbulent. I hope you enjoy the show. It is a total privilege and honor to have Dr. Julie Smith on the show today. Dr. Julie has transformed the conversation around mental health and therapy in an extraordinary, groundbreaking, global way. Not only does she have 38 million likes on TikTok and growing for her videos that break down the tools and techniques around looking after your mind, but she is also the number one best-selling author of Why Has Nobody Told Me This Before, which has been virtually the number one best-selling book all year, nearly 20 weeks of being the number one bought book in the United Kingdom. Dr. Julie is a clinical psychologist, online educator, and owns her own private practice in Hampshire. She's devoted her career to learning everything she can about mental health and the intricacies of the human mind to teach and share with others. For over a decade, Dr. Julie was sharing these vital tools and information with her clients, but decided to create online videos so more people could learn too. She is now one of, if not the most, followed clinical psychologist online, helping millions of people get through the worst times in their lives. Her new book is jam-packed with everything you need to know about looking after your mind and navigating the ups and downs of life. What is a favorite quote you like to return to often and why? I was listening to an interview with um, Maya Angelou the other day, and it was when she talked about when someone tells you who they are, believe them. And that's probably something that's really sort of stuck with me in the last week. Because I, I did a post recently on, you know, that sort of confusion between when someone's behavior doesn't match up to what they say. Mm. And in the, the video, I say, you know, if the two don't match and you're feeling confused, always believe the behavior because um, that's the thing that's most likely to be repeated. And the, the only thing you can go on. What's a life lesson you've been reminded of recently? To practice what I preach, probably. <laughs> I put all these things into the book because I find them helpful and I know how useful they are. Essentially, the process of writing and getting the book out into the world 
challenged me on all of those. So it kind of put them under strain, mm. I guess. You know, I was writing during lockdown and we have three children. So we were homeschooling at the same time. And my husband was also working from home at the same, you know, it was just chaos. And the the huge task of sort of getting a book out into the world and trying to get people to see it. And, you know, we really went for it and gave it our all. But then when you do that, it challenges that, you know, when are you going to get a really good night's sleep? And um, are you going to exercise this week? And, <laughs> yeah. you know, and those kind of things. So I, I felt never felt more like I have to practice what I preach because I'm, I'm putting it out there and I'm telling people this stuff works. So I have to make time for that, even though this is probably the busiest time in my life, sort of between work and parenting. I've got these huge roles that have collided at the same time. And inevitably, as a mum, you're the sort of, you, you put yourself last. It's so easy to, oh, when I get everything done, then I'll you know go to the gym or I'll do something for me. And uh, yeah, there's been a definite sort of life lesson in that in terms of, you know, the time is now. Life's not waiting. It is happening now. So, you, you know, you have to find that balance now so that you can enjoy the ride. That's definitely some inspiration for all of us. How do you define happiness? I used to be a real sort of self-help book hoarder as well. I would kind of buy them all and read them all. And and I guess I was probably looking for that, you know, what is that thing that's going to make my life happy? And actually all the way along, there were, you know, pockets of happiness. There were periods of less happiness and periods of more. And I mean, I did this video a while back where I used food coloring in water and it was the idea of, you know, we we dismiss or minimize those really small moments of joy, especially when we're struggling with mood. Like when you're, when you're in lower mood, um, you tell yourself, oh, I can't really be bothered or it's not worth it or you get less enjoyment out of the things you used to find pleasure in anyway. Um, so it's easy to leave those out. And so the video is about me saying, well, the reason those things are important is because they add up. So if you add, you know, add a tiny bit of food coloring into a big jug of water, doesn't really make any difference and it's the same with you know yeah your therapist might tell you to go for a walk when you're feeling and it doesn't really make a huge difference but it's like that little drop in the water because then if you do the same tomorrow and the same the next day and the same the next day that effect accumulates and 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 begins to sort of change the feel of things it's those small things you do every day that add up to make this big difference and so I guess for me happiness has come about by learning that those down moments or those stress moments, they are a part of life and they can be a part of a happy life. It doesn't mean that, you know, you are seriously unhappy just because there are ups and downs. It's all about finding that meaning and and purpose, I think. Thank you so much. That was such a brilliant answer. And it touches upon, you know, your content really made me think, gosh, you were able to create psychoeducation in this kind of super visual metaphorical way that you know you have presented and was that quite central to kind of you taking this information that's been out there and just delivering it in this way that so many more people could understand yeah and it was uh, this huge challenge you know when um when I, I I was getting really sort of um passionate about wanting to share the educational part of therapy and I said you know people shouldn't have to pay to to come and see people like me in order to find out this basic education about how their own mind works because it's really helping people and um you know my husband said well you know go on put it on YouTube or something and you know make a video and it was him that discovered TikTok at that point and I said no no way you know we'll get trolled (laughs) out of there it'll be you know the videos will be so boring how can you fit enough into 60 seconds but it created this challenge then of like well if people are there ready with their thumb ready to kind of scroll on to the next video how do you hold on to them for those few seconds 
for enough time mm. to kind of slip in a little bit of education. <laughs> and so it became this kind of tightrope of like, uh, you know, education, entertainment. How can we make something engaging? And mm. so I would be talking to him about some concept and it would sound really boring. And then we would kind of go, okay how can we make this interesting? You know, how can you make it visual? What can you, and so it'd be really this really sort of collaborative process between the two of us bouncing off ideas and him suggesting really wild things and me saying, no, no way. And it's been really fun <laughs> in that sense to kind of, you know, really think about, I guess, you know, visually that's when you mm. create some, an, an abstract idea into something more visual, people can just grasp it and remember it. You know, lots of people remember it in such a visual way. You know, when I was reflecting on the interview today and I thought, gosh, your book is this complete Bible to help people get through um, the ups and downs of life. And obviously you cover anxiety, stress, grief, low self-worth. But the one thing that you are personally navigating is global success, which also is another kind of challenge in itself. Like success actually for a lot of people is you know, terrifying in many ways. So what's been your reflections on the last few months and if people who were nervous about putting them forward for success? It has been terrifying at times, to be fair. I, I'm quite a sort of naturally shy, introverted type person and everything was sort of fine and dandy when I was seeing one person at a time in my little therapy room and and then balancing that really nicely with parenting and you know I would just see people while the children were at school and that kind of thing and everything was all nice and we live in a very small town and and then it felt like this rocket was taking off and I was just sort of grabbing on for dear life thinking ah you know this and it felt great you know because all these messages were coming through every day saying thank you so much I'm waiting for the next video and or I've it's inspired me to go to therapy and that's really helping thank you and and all of these real people were messaging and me and my husband said we can't stop this now that it felt like a side project at first that would fizzle mm. out and then it became something where we were touching lives of real people in a positive way so um that really challenged us to kind of drive forward with it and and so yeah it just became this huge thing that was taking off and it does feel frightening it makes you vulnerable you know I felt like I was a um you know I was living in my little bubble my little town and felt like a very confident person and then suddenly making yourself vulnerable like that being seen online and things it does bring up all of those sort of potential fears and thoughts and so as I was saying earlier you know it's really challenged me to kind of practice what I preach and I, I think the thing that has probably helped more than anything else is staying true to the reason I started so mm. I, I had no sort of ambitions to be like a public person in in terms of uh, you know being liked or that that kind of thing it started off as I want to be of service and I want to be helpful to people and so all the way along when all these different opportunities come up and people are approaching you for this that and the other I've said no to most of it because I want to stay mm. absolutely true to why I'm doing this and everything I do I want it to be because it's helpful and and that kind of thing so that's really helped me to step back from anything that might kind of seduce you into trying to um, do things to be liked or loved or um, accepted in some way and and it makes it so much easier you know and if I make a video because there's this idea that I think a couple of people found really helpful in the past in therapy and I want to share it and and we make it into a video that we're kind of proud of in terms of how we've created it, then I really don't even look sometimes to see what views it's got because I think 
do you know what? If that hits the right person at the right time, I know it will be helpful and I'm okay with that. So I can move on now. And that that's very different, isn't it? To sort of creating something mm. to try and go viral or, you know, and, and then see how many likes it gets and things like that. And, and, and it's even talking to my daughter, I mean, my daughter said, oh, what does it feel like mummy to have all those followers? And I said, I'm exactly the same. It doesn't make me any better or any worse. If I canceled the account tomorrow, I'd be exactly the same as I am today. It helps me to reach more people, but that's as far as it goes. So one of your main reasons for starting is because you wanted to clear up a lot of myths in the mental health world. What are the greatest myths you keep finding and having to dispel? Probably one is that um, you need to be unwell before you start working on yourself or go to therapy or go even go to a doctor. There are a lot of questions I get where people are saying, you know, I have this, does this mean I have an anxiety disorder or does this mean I have depression? And, and always my answer is it really doesn't matter whether you get your own diagnosis right or not, that's not the idea, you know, that's what doctors are for. So if you have any concern at all that you might be struggling in a way that could benefit from support, whether some doctor would think that meets criteria for a diagnosis or not, go and seek that help. You know, we we all want to live a happy life and be at our best. And that involves really looking after yourself, both physically and mentally along the way. So I think we can get really wrapped up in, do I meet criteria for some sort of diagnosis? And does that make me unwell enough to deserve help and support? And, you know, when other people might have bigger problems or that kind of thing, and then people don't seek help because they don't feel deserving of it. It's strange, isn't it? If you broke your arm, you wouldn't think twice about going to the hospital to get that fixed. You would, you know, you wouldn't sit home and think, well, there are people out there who've probably just broken their back and they probably deserve that time in the hospital. And there is room for everyone to seek some sort of support. And it's not easy to get support in lots of places across the world. And it can be, you know, really hard to find the the right kind of thing for you. And it takes a bit of a journey and probably sometimes an investment in money as well. And it's not an ideal situation at all. And, and I guess that's where all of this work came out of it. I can only see one person at a time and how can I sort of reach more people? And while I can't give therapy to everyone, I can certainly dish out the sort of educational stuff that, that I found so helpful over the years. In chapter one, you talk about connecting the mind and body, and you touch upon how too much focus on thoughts can be misleading. Why do you ask people to notice where they feel their emotion in the body? Sometimes the sort of quickest way to to calm the mind is through the body. I often talk about weaves in a basket. So we kind of, um, you can separate any any moment in your life into the thoughts you experience, the physical sensations that come with that, the emotions that you feel, and then the urges to do or not do something. And you can separate those out and look at these how those influence each other. But we don't necessarily experience them separately. We, ex- you know, they're like weaves in a basket. We experience the basket as a whole. But all of these things are sort of connecting and entwining to create that experience. So then when our experience isn't what we want it to be, you know, a lot of people come to therapy and they say, I want to feel different. You know, I've got this set of emotions. I seem to feel a lot and I don't want them. And there are some that I'm missing that I would like back. And usually that's, you know, there's things that we call negative and we want some of the positive things back. And that's fine, but there is no on-off switch for those emotions. You know, it would be great if there was, if you kind of wake up in the morning and go, right, I want to feel excitement, <laughs> love and joy today. And they would happen, you know, I'd be out of a job, but it would be great. And But you can't do that. But we know that how we feel, those emotion states 
are so heavily entwined and influenced by those other things. So, you know, the behaviors, the things that we do, how we treat our body, um, the focus of our thoughts and that kind of thing, that if we begin to change some of those other things, how we feel has to change, you know, because they're all entwined together. And really the physical part is, can be one of the quickest ways to start to shift that emotional state. So things like your breathing, for example, is just fantastic, you know, and it's one of those things that when people come to long, come along to therapy, let's say with anxiety, and it takes time, right, to work through these things and, and unpeel everything. But often people will say after that first session, is there anything I can do between now and next week to, that can just help me get through? So breathing exercises would be one of those that I would say to people, it's really quick to teach. You can teach people to kind of breathe slowly and elongate that out breath, um, enable to kind of calm the body within a few minutes. You know, those kind of really quick skills can just help you to shift that state, but also to recognize, really empowering because you immediately recognize I'm not at the mercy of this. There are these little things I can do. And so helping people to just notice a feeling in their body and notice where it is, for example, helps you to separate yourself from it so it's an experience that's washing over you and and moving through your body as opposed to who you are you know it's not sort of in your mind it's it's a sensation that's washing over you if you care about your skin looking as good as it can be then this will be interesting for you I'd love to introduce you all to Foreo, our incredible podcast sponsor and the world's leading skincare tech brand. Foreo believes self-confidence is key to everything because when you feel great, you look great. Investing in my skin is a vital part of my personal well-being and instantly boosts my mood. It's also my best kept beauty secret. I discovered a lunar cleansing device a few months ago and it's been incredible and massively helped me boost the glow in my skin with or without makeup. The Luna is clinically proven to remove 99.5% of impurities from the skin and is powered by T-Sonic technology with 8,000 pulsations per minute. Trust me, nothing else will get you even close to the cleanse you will achieve with a Luna device. Foreo have partnered with Current Body, the beauty device experts, to offer Not Perfect listeners an exclusive 20% off all Foreo products for the month of July. To claim your discount, and it is a real massive discount, head to currentbody.com slash notperfect. And thanks again to Foreo for creating such effective products and being so generous with the discount they've shared. You are obviously a big advocate for exercise and you mention exercise throughout the book in different ways. Why is it important that the conversation around exercise has to change and why are you such an advocate for it? I think for so long, it was, certainly when I was growing up, it was seen as something you did just for aesthetics. And it was just to, if you wanted to look different, which apparently everybody should, then let's lift this weight and count to whatever. And it always <laughs> felt like a chore. And it's only, I mean, I read the work of people like Kelly McGonigal and these. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. 
That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Fantastic researchers who are looking at this sort of um, the impact of group exercise and when you sort of join together and connect with other humans and when you do something you enjoy, it changes your chemistry, your body chemistry that makes you more sensitive to emotions like joy and pleasure. And so you're more wow. able to experience joy during your day if you move your body, but you're also more resilient to stress and you're more able to cope with it. For me, understanding that and learning about that work helped me to shift into this idea of, well, actually exercises something to be enjoyed. And when you link that up with all the kind of research around how to create positive habits, if you make something easy to do and pleasurable to do, you are much more likely to continue doing that on a regular basis than if it's some chore that you've got to do, but just because you don't like how you look or something. I think, yeah, that that combination of kind of research and stuff really shifted that idea for me. And, and certainly now, you know, when I go out for, a, I love running out in sort of nature in the summer and stuff like that. And I, I don't really time my runs anymore. You know, I don't try to sort of beat my time or anything. I go and, and if mm. I see something that looks pretty and I stop and I take a photo of it and I enjoy it for a moment and then I'll carry on and I'll listen to the music. And, and to me that enhances my life so much more than, um, when I sort of try to exercise, um, in a way that's sort of punishing or just for how I might look to somebody else who's looking on at me. Hundred percent, and I really enjoyed the tips that you you wrote around motivation. Saying motivation almost is not enough. So if you want to implement these positive habits, then make it super easy for you to do so. Are there any tips that you have to make these positive habits easier to do? Yeah. So th there's some myths around motivation that it's sort of some people have it and some people don't. You're either born with it or you're not that kind of thing, and and it's just not true. Like it's a feeling and it's a sensation just like any other emotion. So it comes and goes and it can't be relied upon to be there all the time. And so if you set something up for yourself, some sort of goal or challenge that you're working towards, you can't rely on motivation being there every day. So you don't wait until you feel like it before you put something in place. And that's where plans and schedules and like you said, you know, making that particular behavior that needs to happen as easy as possible and making not doing it as hard as possible. And because it's really not about the end point goal, it's about how can you create kind of a system in your life that allows you to repeat that one behavior that needs to happen a thousand times before you can reach your goal. How can you make that behavior as easy as possible to create? So by focusing too much on, on the end goal, we are much more at risk of giving up because it can feel overwhelming. It's a bit like, I don't know, let's say you have a mountain, you know, it's stood at the foot of a mountain, you look up, you think, oh my goodness, what am I doing? That looks impossible. But if you look down and you just look at the next two steps in front of you and you take those and if you focus on this process of taking steps, then before you know it, you're halfway there. And, and that's really um, one of the most sort of life-changing shifts that you can make in terms of thinking about motivation. Whether, some days it'll be there, some days it won't. Either way, I'm going to say stay so in touch with my 
goals and the reason that I'm doing them as well. I think that's a, probably a key thing for motivation is that you, mm. if you set goals that are really other people's or you're trying to please someone else, you're much less likely to get there. Whereas if you have a clear set of values around your goals and you know exactly why you're doing something and it means so much to you, that helps you to get through on those days when the motivation isn't there. Because sometimes motivation won't be there because you haven't had a good night's sleep or you're a bit dehydrated and you've got a bit of a headache or, and so you don't feel like it. And so when we have to kind of get through those difficult moments and still repeat the behavior when we don't feel like it, being in touch with your, you know, value system around why you're doing it anyway, really, really helps. And this brings me on to another point I loved from the book, which is about spotlighting, consciously spotlighting. And you write, uh, we can't choose our thoughts, uh, but we can choose what we consciously spotlight. I would love for you to kind of explain that in further detail. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a lovely uh, metaphor that is often used in acceptance and commitment therapy. And it's this idea of, let's say your, your mind is a stage and all the thoughts that come into your head are like actors coming onto that stage. And a lot of people think, uh, you know, they sort of try to control what they're thinking. So they'll say, you know, positive vibes only. I'm only going to think positive thoughts. And, and, and we can't do that, right? So you can't control which actors come on stage, which thoughts come into your mind. All you have is control of the spotlight. So as different thoughts pop into your head, you can decide which ones you're going to give the limelight to and you're going to give your full attention to and for how long. And some of those thoughts or actors will, you know, invite you to do that. So um, it might be a threatening thought that demands your attention. Something bad is going to happen. <gasps> and, and so we kind of give them a limelight for a minute and then it's up to us to judge, well, you know, is this something I want to focus on for much longer? Because what impact is it having on how I feel, for example, or is it going to help me do what I need to do? And then it's recognizing that at any point you can shift to another thought. And sometimes that thought you don't want to be focused on will hang around for a little while and it'll be on the periphery. But at some point it will go off stage again and it will pass and then it might come back again. And But each time it's recognizing that you're not on the stage in that, you know, you don't have to kind of get in there and try and push people around. You stand back with that spotlight and you allow all of those thoughts to come and go naturally, but you get to choose, okay, what is my, what is my focus and direction? And, and essentially that's mindfulness, you know, is, is allowing all experiences to be present for what they are noticing them for what they are, which is not you, it's an experience you're having, and then choosing to keep coming back to something that you're deciding to focus on in the present. Um, and it's almost like a mental muscle. So every time, you know, you're, you're focused on the present, every time your mind wanders off to something else, let's say you're trying to meditate and your mind wanders off to, oh gosh, I haven't bought the that ingredient to go with dinner or, I, you know, I should have checked that email. And, and so every time you notice that your mind has gone off, you just gently guide your attention back to that thing that you're trying to focus on. And every time you do that, it's a bit like working a muscle in the gym. It's a sort of mental muscle because you're building up your ability and strength to be able to choose what you're going to focus on in the moment. And that is just the most powerful skill because when when we're struggling and there's lots going on, to be able to then exercise that skill to focus in and hone in on something is just so valuable. And, you know, I guess the meditation part is is like the driving lesson kind of thing. It's the formal practice of it, or it's going to the gym, you know, it's working on it so that when you most need it in a difficult situation, you can really, really use it. It's the boring part, but it's useful when it when it comes around. 
I love that metaphor. It's the driving lesson. And this kind of brings me on to mental filters because, you know, for me, I definitely think it's probably been one of the most useful things that therapy has highlighted is uh, how do we interpret our reality? And obviously, we're all vulnerable falling into quite faulty mental filters. Why do we have mental filters? And what are the most common faulty ones you often hear when you're talking to people? Yeah, so the mental filter, I did a video on this quite well back where um, I used like a big sieve and a big sort of tray and um, beans. So I had different, different sized beans. And I said, okay, well, let's imagine that you put some bit of content online and then you're scroll there's like a hundred comments and you're scrolling through and there's all these positive ones and I was putting all these kind of beans in the sieve to show that they were the positive comments and then there's a small bunch small handful of negative ones and you put those in and then you kind of shake the sieve then your mind does this and it kind of so the the smaller beans were the positive comments and they fall through the holes. So that's your mind kind of neglecting, bypassing all of those positive comments and just holding on to the negative ones. And that's what you do, right? You kind of, you put something online and then you're scrolling through, you're scrolling past these positive comments and you're looking for anyone who possibly doesn't like you or, you know, thinks you look terrible or, you know, picking up on something wrong with you. And that is the mental filter working. So it's a bias in your mind. And and it's not a mistake that your mind is making either. It's your brain trying to keep you safe. So if we go back to how we used to live, you know, thousands of years ago in these small groups, and if at any point the people around you in your community didn't like you or started to dislike you and 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 judge you in a negative way then that put you at risk right you could be killed or you could be abandoned and left out to survive by yourself which inevitably would lead to death and so that's your brain working at its best when it's looking for is there anyone out there who doesn't like me but the trouble is social media doesn't work well with that system and so you know people are all too willing to kind of share their negative opinions of each other online and and so that mental filter then becomes almost sort of dangerous to us because it triggers such a stress response it's telling you we're not okay here people are judging us in a negative light we need to change what we're doing that works really well when you live in a small community and the rules are clear about how you need to behave but when you're exposed to almost the whole world who all have different ideas about how you should live and why you can never get it right for everybody. And and it's very prevalent when you're low in mood or you're stressed or you're depressed even. And it's when your mind kind of neglects all that positive information that could change your state and it holds on to all the negative information that is going to sort of reconfirm your negative beliefs about yourself and keep that emotion state as it is if it's a negative one. And that's a point you really do clarify the fact that it's basically virtually impossible to not care what people think of you. But what would be your advice to, I guess, like what you've just said is become aware that it's it's okay to care what people think of you. But how do you then move past that? Like, is it even possible for us to care less? Yeah, that's a really good question, isn't it? Because I think it's something we all sort of work through as we get older. And I think as you're growing up and you're, it feels like it's all about fitting in, doesn't it? To to be acceptable to others in order to kind of feel okay. And, and it's almost like an experiment, isn't it? We're working out who we are and who we can be within these kind of social arenas. And as you sort of get to a certain stage in life and you really think about how what your own values are, 
and mm. you know what kind of person I want to be and as you go through life and you meet people that inspire you and people that probably do the opposite and each of them inform you about the kind of person you want to be and how you want to contribute to the world while you're here and that kind of thing and and what when you get clarity on that and that's why I really wanted to include that section in the book on how to check in on your own values and be really clear on them because I think when you are clear on them and certainly for me when I'm clear on my own values and how I want to live and the person I want to be it is much easier to deal with outside criticism and it's much easier to distinguish between okay that's criticism I can take on board and learn from because that's going to help me be more of the person I want to be and that's criticism that's just unhelpful to me and is going to make me feel terrible And so you have this template then that's yours. If you have your sort of own values check-in, you can say, okay, this is my opinion and I'm going to seek my approval. Do I approve of me when I'm doing X, Y, or Z? And so if you have this really clear sense of I am doing this for this reason and I approve of that, I think that's the right thing to do. Then if some, you know, I don't know, Jack Jones blog 247 or whatever on Twitter comes at you, <laughs> then then it's easier to go, do you know, I have this real clear sense of why I'm doing this and I think it's the right thing to do. Mm. So, you know, I can I more easily let those opinions go. And it's never easy. It always stings, right, if somebody comes at you. And that's because of that internal inbuilt survival mechanism that we have. And sometimes it helps to just acknowledge that because then you get to kind of see it for what it is, which is one possible way of interpreting that. Oh, this is really unsafe. Mm, actually, maybe it's not because I'm on social media and I can, you know, um, block someone or you do something like that. So, you know, it's not easy, but I think the more self-awareness you get and the more clarity you get on you and how you want to live your life and what feels right and wrong to you, if you're living in line with that, then it's easier to deal with the sting of disapproval from others because the you know you approving of you is the most important thing. What's your advice on how you determine what your values truly are? Maybe not just the ones other people around you are living by. Yeah, I think and um, when I do a values check in, I literally just get a pen and paper and I I make a sort of grid. So I make all these kind of different squares and you kind of split your life into because life is complex, right? You have different roles and different ideas and and you try to be slightly different in each of those. So you know, who I try to be at work might be slightly different to the the values I have as a parent, for example. And I literally kind of split them up and I'll put, you know, parenting in one box, friendships in another, my marriage in another, um, lifelong learning, and one for creativity, one for health, you know, and you can kind of put your own in, you know, some people will have, you know, faith, religion or community and contribution, those kind of things. So you can put them all in. And in each box, you just spend a little bit of time thinking about not what you want to happen to you but how you want to be how you want to show up in that area of your life so what kind of Mm. person you want to be you know what kind of daughter do I want to be um what do I want to mean to those people in my life and and how do I want to show up for those people and how do I want to face tough times with them and those kind of things and and you can come up with just simple it only has to be a word you know I mean one of my values that seems to sort of filtrate through all of the different kind of squares, different areas of my life, something that comes up a lot for me is enthusiasm. I just feel that 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 word really resonates for me in terms of I would be really proud and pleased to show up enthusiastically in each area of my life. And so I feel like, you know, that 
that's a value that I try to always hold on to. It's like a little signpost, isn't it? That just says, oh, but back this way a little bit, you know, and, um, <laughs> and sometimes those things can be really helpful. It's just a word. And, but it's not even a path to self-criticism as well, because when you write those things down, you can kind of list, okay, how important is this to me, you know, to be, I don't know, a calm, caring parent. Okay. 10 out of 10. That's really important. 10 out of 10, the most important, zero not at all. It's really important to me. If I then use the same scale for how much I feel I'm living in line with that in the last couple of weeks, let's say, I might write two because maybe we've had a really stressful week and I've just not parented in the way that I want to. And it's really important that how we do that in therapy is not, it's not a path into self-loathing and self-destruction. It's curiosity okay something in life has has pulled you away from this value let's just notice that with curiosity and then look at how we can turn back towards it so you know what is one thing you could do today and again tomorrow that would up that score a little bit and and try to match them because often you know when people come to therapy and um, often they don't know what the specific problem is they just feel like things aren't quite right and things are out of sorts and it when we then do that kind of exercise, it's so revealing for people to go, oh yeah, like, you know, maybe work's pulled them away from their love of exercise or, you know, time with their friends or you know, or whatever it is, you know, life pulls you in different directions. And sometimes it's just because you're not living in line with certain things that really, really matter to you that just causes you to kind of feel a bit out of sorts. And, and so pulling back in that direction can be really, really helpful. This has just been such a brilliant and thoughtful and insightful interview. And I've probably got another 25 questions, but <laughs> luckily for everybody, there is a book and there is so much content online and we barely scratch the surface. Thank you for being such an amazing educator. And it, you just make things so easy and fun to understand. And uh, this has just been brilliant. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to have a little chat. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Not Perfect Podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would deeply appreciate it if you wouldn't mind subscribing and leaving a review and perhaps maybe sending it to a friend who also might enjoy this episode. I can't tell you how grateful I am for those that share this podcast on their social media or with friends because it helps the show reach more listeners. I'd absolutely love to hear from you. So if you've had any thoughts or you want a specific guest coming up in future episodes just let me know shoot me a message on instagram or twitter it's just at poppy jamie and so until next time stay flexible stay true to you and stay leaning into love hold up what was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 